You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation Podcast Victory Monday once again. Bears beat the Carolina Panthers 23-16. to And what was, to me, a fairly convincing win. I felt like the Bears were in control pretty much the entire way. Um, most, For the most part, had a two-score lead for most of the game. If not, it was at least seven. So I personally felt comfortable during that game. Um, Cole Komet gets his first touchdown as we told you to bet. <laughs> Last week in the preview episode, so hopefully someone took us up on that because you are feeling Oh, they did. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, actually, I did see some of the replies that people actually took us at our word, which is a stunning turn of events. But uh, the defense shows up once again. No Mike Davis revenge game. Ru- the Bears running game actually got a little traction. Uh, Nick Foles plays another high floor, decent game. Not much to complain about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, five and one. You're going into your a real test against the Packers, but we'll talk about that on the preview episode later this week. But for right now, five and one, you are stacking these NFC wins. So I, I mean, you feel pretty good about winning over these playoff esque teams. Oh, you feel great. I mean, you know, I don't want the narrative to be all of a sudden, oh, the Panthers aren't that good. I mean, we, I never thought the Panthers. Panthers were that good, but everyone else for this whole week was saying, oh, you know, Panthers, man, got watch out for them. Good team. Mike Davis revenge game. Oh, you never know. You never know. And we never bought that uh, on this podcast in the preview episode, but a lot of people did. So you can't retract your statements now and say, well, the Panthers are just an average team. Um, but, you know, the Bears did what they need to do, right? And what I think the most important quote was, was Nick Foles after the game. And he was talking about winning pretty um, versus winning ugly. Uh, and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, you know, the fact of the matter is I would rather win ugly than lose pretty. And I think that was the statement that kind of stuck in my mind because there's obviously the style points questions. And and Jake has brought this up in the past. And, yeah, OK, they're winning by one score. And it's, you know, not necessarily the most convincing wins, but they are getting wins. And, you know, although they're not putting up 30 points a game, although they're not doing all the things the right way and they're not, you know, maybe paying attention to all the details like Matt Nagy said they would. They are five and one. They have, I believe, the second best chance to make the playoffs in the NFC behind only Seattle Seahawks. Um, their defense is, you know, I would say right now the best defense in the league. Maybe, maybe Pittsburgh is up there with them. Uh, the Indianapolis certainly isn't up there anymore after what the Bengals did to them. So, I mean, you, as a Bears fan right now, here on Monday morning, uh, you're feeling absolutely great. I mean, what is there not to like? about the Chicago Bears and where they're at right now. I mean, the, you know, obviously you want the offense to be better and that I mean, we're going to say it every week, but the Bears are 5 and 1, first place in the division because the Packers got obliterated by the Bucks. You right now, the Bears are in a much better spot than the Packers, much better spot than 10 of the other teams in the NFC. They're you're feeling very very good right now as a Bears fan. Yeah, I mean, look, 5 and 1 is 5 and 1. I mean, they're, they're, no matter how you spin it, that's impressive. Um I I think that that goes without saying, but, you know, you have to say it at the same time because the national media guys are going to start talking about how the Panthers aren't a, aren't a good team. Like you mentioned, Kevin, that's going to probably be the narrative this week. Um, you know, it's funny because the, the teams that I feel like even if the Bears do beat, um, you know, some of the good teams on, on our schedule coming up, the narratives, 
going to turn into like, oh, you know, maybe maybe they aren't that good instead of just giving the Bears credit. And, you know, that's just how it's going to be. And, and I hate playing this underdog card. I really do because I feel like it's corny. But I, I, I mean, we have to, I feel like that they're oh, forcing absolutely. us to, to do so. Um, but but like we keep talking about how we want to see the offense look better, which I think we 100 percent all would like to see. But maybe maybe winning ugly is just what this team is about. Like, maybe this is just what this team is. Um, and, and I think that's okay. If they're able to keep winning, then it doesn't really matter. You know, like, like exactly like you said, like, winning pretty, I feel, is just more of like, a, you know, it just feel, it's, just, it's a little bit of a confidence booster. But as long as you get the win, it doesn't matter, man. Five and one is five and one. First place in the NFC North. I mean, can't, can't complain. Yeah, the thing is, when you win ugly, and, and I've been saying this the entire time, that Nick Foles gives you that floor to win these ugly games and edge out these games, um, you know, and that's why you're 5-1. and one. That's a big part of why you're 5-1, and one, uh, as we've seen over the last four weeks that you've won three of. So now, you know, you have these next three games a lot to prove still. And, I mean, you've been proving it the last two weeks against the Buccaneers and the Panthers. But you have the Rams at at, at L.A., at the Rams' home stadium. Then you have the Saints in Chicago. And then you have at Tennessee. So, I mean, those are all three. I mean, the Saints are kind of weird. I'm not really sure how to judge them this year. But, I mean, these are good teams, especially the Titans at the back end of that. So, uh, it's you have a lot to prove still you're five and one, but that doesn't mean you can get comfortable. Uh, you still have to be able to win these games. So, um, but you feel good. I mean, everything that you're seeing is what we want to see. I mean, Nick Foles said in his post game press yesterday, he still feels like these guys are getting to know each other and still getting to gel together. So he thinks that they're only getting better, which obviously no quarterback is going to stand up there and not get at the podium and say, Oh, well, you know, we're not great. And I don't think we're going to be great or we're not going to be good. So obviously, you know, some of that is just post game talk, but I, I believe it because I've, I've been saying that too, that these guys need time to adjust to Foles uh, as the center of the offense. And now we've seen it with Cole Komet getting his highest snap percentage and getting his first NFL touchdown. And you see it with, I mean, just Allen Robinson seeming to be happier, I guess now and then you have i mean david montgomery now being more involved in the past game too so um i'm all for it i think this i think this is a good team they are proving they're a good team because either way ugly wins are still wins and you need to be able to win these slugfests in the end i mean it's going to be ugly but uh like i said in the beginning this is one of those games this is probably the first game all year where i felt comfortable the entire time and i think part of that is that opening touchdown yeah. to Cole Komet. I, I mean, I felt right away. Once you get a lead, and with this defense especially, you've, it's hard not to feel good. Oh, it's very hard. I mean, that you're right. That whole game. I mean, even when the Panthers came back in the fourth quarter, I was never really sweating, if I'm being completely honest. I was never really biting my nails, chewing my fingers off, you know, worried that the Panthers were going to come out here and stun them in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I never really thought that was a reality in this game. Uh, and that's the luxury of having a great defense that's just phenomenal in the red zone. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, that that is an understatement. We saw it again on Sunday. Best red zone defense in the NFL. Um, but real quick. You, the Bears have been underdogs in like four of the games this year, at least, right? Or five, five of the six, probably, right? All, all games other than the Giants game, I would say, right? I think so. I th- and wait, and then 
against Atlanta? They were. We were. We were I'm pretty sure they were 100. I'm pretty sure they were. Atlanta. Yeah. And then, then um, and they'll probably be underdogs the next three. You said Rams, Saints, Titans. They'll definitely be underdogs oh, the no, next three. Guys, I, I don't. We're already opening. My bad to cut you off. We're already open. Wow. I think uh, the Rams were six and a half point favorites. Yep. So we're underdogs by six and a half against yep. a Rams team that's four and two. Okay. So so uh, so you guys see the trend here? Um, Bears underdog mentality. Now now this is interesting to me. You know this seems very 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 similar to a particular team from Philadelphia in 2017 and the dog masks and everything that they did and you know the end result of that and who was the quarterback that year? Can I can someone tell me who the quarterback was? Can I hear it? Yeah, yeah, you know that'll be one of the Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, guys, this, I mean, it's eerily similar because it's the team that's putting up wins. You know, they're gonna put up good number, not good numbers, but they're gonna put up wins, and people are gonna doubt them, and people are gonna be on the media saying it's the most fraudulent five and one team of all time, worst five and one team of all time. But you know, what did we say all throughout this year? Last year, the Bears were on their high horse. They needed to be humbled. They thrive with the underdog mentality. That's just who they are, man. I mean, they, I mean, that's just the culture of this team. You know, they, they just needed to be humbled this year. Now they're that underdog. They thrive off that. They feed off that. They're out there each week, you know, trying to prove everybody wrong. They're in the perfect position right now. I truly do believe that. I wouldn't want them to be favored by seven points each game. I'd rather have them be underdogs and prove everybody wrong and continue to do that, you know, into the playoffs and hopefully on the way to the Super Bowl. And they have the man at the helm who's done in the past, who's been in that exact same situation. And when it as it pertains to Nick Foles, um, you know, and the whole conversation about the quarterback and whatever, I think, you know, I don't think it's too early now to say that the Bears are going to be in the playoffs or at least in a prime position to be in the playoffs. Like I said, they have an 86% chance, second best in the NFC. They will likely find themselves in that position. And when that time comes, I mean, with the team that they have right now, I almost don't think there could be a better man than Nick Foles in that situation for this team. Um, And maybe all along that was the plan from the front office as well. If we get there, you know, this is the kind of guy we want for that moment. And I don't know if there's a valid argument for that. But, you know, just kind of, you know, Nick Foles isn't playing the greatest football, but you look a little bit into the future and you look in the playoffs and what he's done in the past with this type of team. And that's I, I really say that it's important because it's about this type of team, the type of coach they have and the type of mentality they have that the man at the helm right now, Nick Foles, is probably the exact man you want for this team going forward. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, here's the thing, too. I And Kevin, uh, Chris, sorry to butt in here, but Kevin, your flip on Nick Foles has been absolutely stunning to watch. You're 180 on Foles has been absolutely stunning. I wouldn't say it was a 180. I, I wouldn't say it was 180 because, look, and like I said, you know, I kind of made a disclaimer. I said Nick Foles hasn't been playing the greatest football. He hasn't. But I think what I didn't accept to acknowledge was, you know, the playoff aspect of it in that aspect. And that's really what I'm trying to get at. Like Nick Foles' intangibles, I also underestimated. I 100% underestimated his, intang- his intangibles, his leadership skills, uh, the mental aspect of his game. Um and if the Bears were losing, the narrative would be different because he's he, he we can admit he's not playing great football, right? Like he's doing enough, but he's not doing anything special. Okay, he he, he may not even be providing anything more than Mitchell Trubisky from a pure playing standpoint. But that's what doesn't matter. I mean that that's what's the whole difference was the whole conversation around Mitch Trubisky. We we don't have to say it again, but it was about his mentals and about his you know what was all upstairs. And for Nick Foles, like 
it's there and it's phenomenal. I mean, you guys saw the post game press conference. We already referenced it twice. Um, you know, he was talking about, you know, just being motivated and, and, and it was just, you know, you could not be more fired up after that post game press conference that he had. And, you know, just those leadership skills down the stretch in the playoffs, in the biggest moments that the bears may very well find themselves in. That is where Nick Foles thrives. And that's what I failed to acknowledge in the beginning of the season and that's not necessarily my fault because I wasn't looking too far into the uh, you know the future you know already picking Super but now that they're in the position of five and one I don't think it's wrong for me to say that they're going to be in that position and that the man they have right now is better than Mitchell Trubisky when those moments may come uh, to fruition no I, I'm I'm 100% with Kevin here um, because I, I one thing that really stuck out about what Kevin just said is the fact that if the Bears weren't winning games, narrative would be completely different about Nick Foles, and I think that's hundred percent true. Um, like I, I don't think he's anything special. Like he's literally doing. Ex- I, I said it before, but he's literally doing exactly what I thought Nick Foles would be doing. Um, but luckily, I mean, we're winning the games, you know, and, and he's doing just enough, which may be what we need. Um, and you know, it, it's just one of those things. Like he he's been here before. He's he knows what it takes. He's done it before, um, and it, it's one of those things where I, I feel a little more comfortable with Nick Foles under center as opposed to Mitch Trubisky, mm-hmm. um, and not just I mean not just because of the the obvious, which is the Bears are winning games. It's just the offense just seems a little more calmed down, a little more relaxed, and a little more organized. If that makes sense. So I mean. I, He's nothing special, but he's getting the job done. Right. I mean, we've said that the whole time, that all you needed was average offense. Yeah. You just needed a little bit of lift. Because, and I said this the entire time, yeah, you get the you know, the highs, the peaks with Mitch, but the lows were way lower than they are with Foles. And so far, I mean, like you said, Foles has been doing enough to get you to wins. And so, and winning talks. And that's why you're 5-1. and one, And that's why he's still the quarterback. So, uh, I'm not going to complain about it, but... Uh, I want to talk about real quick the running game. Uh, the running game was a little bit better than it has been in previous weeks. You got 58 yards out of David Montgomery um, for 3.1 yards per carry. It's not great, but it was enough to get you space for the passing game. So I'll take it. But, I mean, you still need better production there. And obviously part of that is the offensive line and missing James Daniels. But, um I mean, maybe you make a switch. Maybe Alex Bars isn't doing it. Maybe you do look at bringing someone in now. But the, the thing is, I, I want to keep going back to this point because when you score first and you have a lead with this defense, you're feeling good. And that's why I felt comfortable the entire time yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of funny how we look at 58 yards and say that's an improvement. I think that's just kind of representation of our running game. I mean, come on, 58 yards. And I know it, 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 it it's a sad reality, man. It really is. But, uh, you know, it, you're right to the fact that it was – it did look a little bit more fluid, especially in the fourth quarter. We started to see, you know, those longer runs, those 10- to 15-yard runs from Dave Montgomery where he's really breaking through tackles. And I think the reason why that happened is because they were wearing the defense down. I mean, I, it's so hard for Matt Nagy to commit to the run game. And, you know, they always say, you know, well, if it's not working, just keep hammering at it and you'll wear him down. But it is really, you know, you have to think from a head coach standpoint, you know, it is, you don't want to just sacrifice drives just to wear a defense down like that kind of thing. Like, I do agree to the extent that they need to run the ball more. 
to wear them down, but not like so much to where they're sacrificing drives and getting two yard gains every play just so in the end they can, you know, wear a defense down. That's not necessarily the right ideology. But, um, you know, I, I do think they will go out and get somebody at the trade deadline because clearly, you know, for whatever reason, the pass protection was all right, I would say. We can agree on that. Yeah, the pass, the pass pro was all right. You know, was it terrible? Yeah, yeah it was fine. Yeah. Well, it was the thing is, yeah. you know, I mean, it, Foles has that ability to also get the ball out fast, and you don't really notice true. it as much. That's true. Yeah. That's his game plan, and that's that's important. Uh, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think he actually has like he's top five in you know uh, quickness on getting the ball out of his hands, um, time to throw type stuff. But uh, you know, I, I think they have to make a move for somebody. You know, Coward actually started instead of Bars, so I don't think they're uh, oh, clearly yeah. the coaching staff isn't all in on Bars yet. Um, and I think they got to go out and get somebody because this is, you know, this was the game we said all week, uh, you know, okay, you, you make the excuses. You played a great defensive front against Indianapolis. You played a great defensive front against Tampa Bay. This is a Panthers defense that's 29th and rushing has allowed, you know, a whole bunch of TDs to running backs throughout the year. Uh, if something doesn't go right in this game, then there's really a problem with the running game. And yeah, they, you know, there's an uptick in production, but it's nowhere near what, you know, what, what should have been done. So there, there's clearly an issue there. Um, although they're winning games, like you would love to see it, it happen. And I don't, you know, I, I, I am on the train and I want, Chris, I want to know your thoughts on this because we've already, we've all, we've, we've always talked about this third running back, whether it's Artavis Pierce, whether it's Cordell Patterson, you know, who's a guy that can maybe, you know, create a dynamic shift in that running back room. And I do think Lamar Miller can be that guy. Um, I, I truly do. He can provide, he, he can provide something else to the table. I think people are underestimating the loss of Tariq Cohen just a little bit. Um, and I do think Lamar Miller, his pass catching ability, just brings something different to the table. Um, it, it could be productive for this running back room and hopefully he's active next week but I don't know if that's just you know blind thoughts or not yeah no I mean look I'm I'm all in on Lamar Miller I I think it was a great pickup um but here's my thing it's like it it just seems like nothing is working uh like when we're talking about the the run game like it's just look David Montgomery had 19 carries for 58 yards that comes out to uh, 3.1 yards per carry like that's pretty bad like you know uh mm-hmm. and and i i don't want to be that that party pooper man but it's just like <laughs> it's it's hard you know I, we talked about you know five and one is five and one but it's so hard to like fully fully believe in this team when when like the numbers are just not backing up what we think should happen if that makes sense and, and it's like you you expect it to get better, but I mean for right now it's just like I'm still I'm getting closer to to being fully in on this team as contenders. But you know until things look at least a little bit better, it's hard. Like 19 carries for 58 yards, man. Like that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Well, it's just like. Do you really expect it to get better though? Do you? I mean, I, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> well, ex- expect and hope that. are two different things, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. there you <laughs> go. <laughs> I guess, I guess, hope was what I was was what I was trying to say. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's like, and and I can't blame David Montgomery. I, I really can't. And that's my that's my only worry with the Lamar Miller thing as well. It's like, I mean, is he really gonna do much behind this offensive line? It, it's just we haven't like, there's nothing to back that up right now. I mean, unless the offensive line starts doing a better job or. I, they they got to figure this out quick, man. They got to figure this out really quick, in my opinion. 
Also, I I want I just want to say too, like we're talking about Lamar Miller as you know, and it's great to have different looks and throw different looks at a defense. But also, I mean, David Montgomery's progression as a pass catcher this year has been real. I mean, he's a double threat. It's not like you're coming out there. It's not like Jordan Howard's out there, you know. Sorry, I know that's gonna hurt Josh Lyles, but I mean, it's he's a double threat. He's he's proven capable of being able to catch the ball. And obviously, Lamar Miller is is probably more skilled at that. That was kind of his uh his brand I guess that was his thing as you know a pass catching back I mean he was one of the first guys to really do it well I guess as to do both yeah. but I mean, it's great to have different looks but I mean this isn't a knock against David Montgomery at all because it's not his fault that there's not a ton of room to run but also I mean the, what he's doing I mean he caught four or five targets and for 39 yards I mean he's doing the work with both with running and catching so I'll I'll take that yeah, I mean no, Dave I mean, Mon- yeah go ahead he like David Montgomery and Lamar. Like if David Montgomery continues to progress as a pass catcher, like I, I don't like I see it this way. Like Lamar Miller and David Montgomery, are both in the backfield, both able to pretty much do it all. If you get what I'm trying to say, they can both decently. They can both pa- pass catch, and, and like I, I feel like you know you give yourself options that way. So yeah, I feel like you have the guys in the backfield that are able to produce, but it's up to the offensive line. Up to Matt Nagy to find ways to scheme, you know, these running backs to to find holes for these running backs because I mean, like, it, it's it's obviously not on the running backs. I think that's clear. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's not fully on them. That that's for sure. It's just, you know, the reason why we talk about the different dynamics is because the you know the fact of Dave Montgomery as a player is he's one of the best tackle breaking running backs in the league. Uh, he, he's up top five in that category. Yep. You see it every time he runs. His vision, uh, I, I do have some questions about his vision, but the thing he lacks is pure acceleration. I mean, you watch a guy like yeah. Raheem Mostert, and, I mean, my goodness, you, you, you give that, you hand that ball off to that guy, and boom, he's gone. He finds the hole, and he, he goes through it. Dave Montgomery's just patient. He, he's not that type of runner. So, and Lamar Miller's really not that type of runner either, I guess. Um, but maybe he, he's probably got a little bit more acceleration, a little bit more burst than Dave Montgomery has, and that's why I think it's good to provide different things to the table. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just, man, you would at times just as a fan like to see a guy just boom, hit that hole and just go, you know, just go, you know, just sure. go and, you know, boom, no, you know, untouched to the end zone, you know, but I, un- unfortunately that's just never going to happen with Dave Montgomery. He just simply doesn't have that pure speed and acceleration. And that's what you kind of have to live with, uh, because you have benefits, uh, of him as a running back in other areas, but you know, you would like to see that. And you do wonder maybe because, I mean, Tariq Cohen is the fastest guy on the team, arguably, but he's not like that pure acceleration guy. You know what I mean? Like he's so lateral still, yeah. uh, although he switched it, but like, you know, just to have a guy who can just find the hole immediately and go through it. I mean, I mean, I think if they had a guy like that, would the running game look different? I don't know. I mean, sometimes those holes are there. I feel like I feel like sometimes those holes are there and Montgomery kind of yeah. just, you know, doesn't get there quick enough and it closes up too quick or a linebacker gets there. I mean, I'm not crazy for thinking that, right? No, not at all, because I, I was literally having that same exact discussion with my buddies. Um, like, I don't think. David Montgomery is ever going to be a superstar. I I, I, I don't. Not. Yeah, I, I don't. But I think he can still be very productive and a, and a good running back. Um, but, you know, his type of style needs good blocking. Like his, his running style, he's a patient yes. runner. He needs the holes. Um, but like you said, like I feel like somebody with that burst would find a little bit more success in this offense for sure. For sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it's also, I mean, I think if we watched it, I, I would also think of it, maybe those holes aren't staying open long enough because the offensive line is getting beat. So, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of both. I, I think David yeah. Montgomery's a good running back. I think he does everything well. It's just a matter of opportunity. Um, and by opportunity, I mean him getting the correct opportunities, the right opportunities from an offensive yeah. line. And that's just not happening as much as you'd want right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he's good. I think having Lamar Miller in there for, to provide a different look, uh, every now and then is also going to help. And hopefully we can finally stop seeing quarter L Patterson one yard runs, but, um, <laughs> cause I'm sick of them. I'm really sick of it. That's nothing against him, but it's enough already. It's not working. Um, before we talk about the defense, because I mean, we have a lot to say about the defense. They played unbelievably. Um, I want to talk about Cairo Santos because I mean, he's been great. I mean, he's been fantastic over the last few weeks. I mean, he obviously hit that long one uh, from 55 that looked like it would have been good from 65. But, I, I mean, and we talked about it a little bit in the group chat. You can't take this man's job away right now. I mean, you I mean, you have to keep no. Eddie P. as much as I love him. you got to keep him on IR right now because Santos has an iron grip on this job right now. Yeah. Um, we were all pretty hesitant in the in the prior weeks. I mean, myself probably more than anyone was like, I'm not buying in Cairo Santos. Like, no way. Like, he hasn't done anything to prove it. But, I mean, really all it took for me was that 155-yarder because he hadn't really done anything like that. Uh, it was mostly just 40-yarders, 30-yarders. You know, he was doing the job. But after he hit that 55-yarder, like, that kind of solidified it for me. And what we always talk about with kickers is, it's you know, very much uh, as it is for quarterbacks, it's a confidence thing. And, you know, you get on a roll, you're streaky. Um, you know, you feel good once you walk up to the tee, you're not worried about it and you just, you know, you just kick it through. And I, I think Kyro Sanders right now is in his mojo. He's in that mode. He feels confident, probably the most confident he's been since he was very, very successful in Kansas City. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have to worry about any type of competition, doesn't have to worry about anyone creeping up behind him right now. I think he's he, he's really got a grab, uh, a grip. A grip, sorry, on this lead. <laughs> Words here. are hard. Uh, and and uh, they are hard uh, in this, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, kicking fiasco that the Bears are still dealing with. Um, and I think, you know, now more than ever, you're you're confident, right? When when he walks up there, two weeks ago I wasn't, you know, but uh, all it really took was that one long 55 yarder, you know, a good day of kicking, and I'm kind of all in until he misses a few, and then you can throw ADP in there. But yes, uh, Kyra Sanders 100% has a grasp on this job, and 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 he's gonna have it until he he really starts to falter. Yeah, I um, I I can't believe I'm sitting here saying this, but I I'm so fully in on Cairo Santos that I just know it's gonna backfire somewhere down the road. Like I I'm I have he has my full trust right now, and and that's and that's a scary thought as a Bears fan, um because when okay when was the last time a Bears kicker made a 55 yarder? I could be completely off the rails it could have been sometime recent but probably eddie pinero broncos that was was that 55 week two last year that was over 55 that was like 58 was it i think it was in i thought it was it was fair enough yeah it was in denver so i i know there's talk about the air and whatnot but no, I mean, look, I, I don't think you can like this is Cairo Santos's job right now. I, I don't think um, you can change things up. I mean, the, the guy's been phenomenal. Um, I, I was not expecting this from Cairo Santos, honestly. I nowhere near this. Um, I, I was I was utterly shocked. Like when he when he was lining up for that 55 yarder, you can't tell me you guys were confident. I, I wouldn't believe you. No, no chance. And I was wrong. It was 53 for Eddie against the Broncos. So you're right. Been a long time. 
man, like it's just we've had so many struggles, man, with kickers. Like this feels really good. I, I just hope he's able to continue this. I really do. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with kickers, though, is that they're streaky, and he's clearly on a Super hot streak streaky. right now. So, I mean, yeah. this could all change next week against the Rams or <laughs> the week after that, and then we're going to be saying that Eddie P needs to be activated tomorrow. But, I mean, that's also the nature of it. But it also, and am I the only one that felt, like, confident when Santos was lining up for that kick? Like, and, okay, You were confident? Right. I, I, would, I wouldn't say confident, but I was weirdly, like— Comfortable, yes. I was, I, I was weirdly, for once in my life, and not my life, but in the last three years, I felt comfortable about a kick. Well, I'll I think tell you why. Man, I, I think it's because of the situation it was in. It wasn't a high pressure kick. The Bears already had a lead. They would have. Yeah. I think it. I think that kick put them up ten. I think it was just the nature of the kick. You know, it wasn't a. You know, you need this. You need it to uh, to win the game. You need it, it, it down at the wire. Like it wasn't that kind of kick. But I do know what you mean. And here's my theory. Okay, you, you guys are gonna love this. So Cody Parkey is now the kicker of the Broncos, right? I think it was last week. Uh, last week, he doinked in a field goal to put him up like 10 or something. The first doink since the double doink. So my theory is that that doink reversed the Bears kicking curse. All they needed was one other doink to reverse the curse. To, they needed it to happen again. It happened. Cody Parkey hits the upright. Kicking woes are done for the Chicago Bears. They're over. Santos is not going to miss a kick for the rest of the year. Do not take my word on that. He's definitely going to make a, miss a kick the rest of the year. But I think the general kicking woes of the Bears are done. Cody Parkey has reversed the curse. But beware. If he hits the upright again, maybe it goes back. I don't know. But for as of now, the curse is reversed. I mean, that that's cool and all, but... He's still not forgiven. I'm sorry. Oh, he's not forgiven. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he will never be forgiven. But for now, the curse is reversed. But no, never. Never. Sorry, Cody. Yeah. I, no free Italian beast yeah, for you. For, we're not going to throw around the forgiven word. But, um, I, I mean, it's nice to have this situation where your kicker is on a hot streak. I, I, it's nice to feel this way, I guess. And you're right, Kevin. It's where we were at the game. Where You know, at that point in the game, you're feeling, you know, that obviously goes into it as opposed to against Tampa Bay, uh, the winning kick where I was the most nervous I've ever been in my life. But um, I'll take it. I like it. Uh, let's talk about the defense, though, because they once again were absolutely unbelievable. And it goes back, and I'm going to say it, it goes back to having an offense to play for, to play for with a lead. This defense, you know, you gave them a lead early, and they absolutely balled out the rest of the day. And it, I think I think that's a direct correlation. I think it shows. And Roquan Smith continues to turn into a star before our eyes. Uh, you know, we all know what Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson are capable of. So, I, I mean, it, it shows. I think this, this is a top two defense in the league, and it's not two. It is a direct correlation. I mean, it. We have all the evidence we need, don't we? I mean, we have all the evidence we need, and the where where it's reflected the most is the takeaways. It's not stopping, uh, you know, them in the rushing game. It's not stopping them in the passing game. It's the takeaways, and they feed off each other. And when those takeaways come in, it's it's almost nearly impossible to beat the Bears when they get three takeaways, which what they which is what they got uh, on Sunday. And quite frankly, it should have been like five because Eddie Jackson keeps getting rod by these damn referees who don't know 
know what consistent is and, and don't know how to call a pass interference call. When you call one on Kyle Fuller uh, and or you don't call one on the Panthers against Allen Robinson in the red zone, and then you call one on Kyle Fuller, pretty much the same exact play, and it takes away a touchdown for the Bears. Uh, it's absolutely baffling to me. I think that's like three touchdowns now Eddie Jackson's gotten robbed of, I, I believe. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this defense is top two, and they're not two. They are the best defense in the league, uh, best front four in the league, best second in the league. Teams continue to not target Eddie Jackson. I think that's, what, three straight games he's had zero targets is what he keeps tweeting. Uh, teams are just, you know, absolutely petrified to throw to him. But the problem is you can't just throw it to Sean Gibson either because he's got two interceptions on the year now. Um, I mean, this is this is it's a frightening defense. It really is. And now the the one thing I still have to say about it is I don't know why Quinn is not there more because you, you there is a noticeable difference when Mac and Quinn are in there together. I mean, it is nearly impossible to move the ball down the field when those two guys are in there. And you can see a noticeable difference when it's Mac and Quinn versus Mac and Mingo or Mac and Vauders. Um and Quinn for hovering around like 50% of the snap count and no one can figure that figure out why but when those two guys are out there uh, like it it is scary and this is the best defense in the NFL and I'll say that with my chest yeah I mean Roquan Smith was phenomenal yesterday um and I I have a couple guys I want to mention so Danny Trevathan in my opinion Mm -hmm. has looked a lot better these last two weeks a lot better I don't know do you guys agree with that absolutely yeah he definitely looks faster um and at least more quick i just wanted to make sure i wasn't being biased uh because of my love for danny t but uh (laughs) and to sean gibson like what a pickup that guy has been i feel like he's been the perfect compliment to eddie jackson um and then last but not least kyle freaking fuller my (laughs) god the guy has been absolutely shut down um, I, I, I like, I really don't know if there's been a better corner than Kyle Fuller so far this year. I, I think he's been so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he, he was an all pro, uh, 2018. I think he's been better this year than, than 2018. Honestly, like, I, is that crazy to say? No, he's been, yeah. good. He's, he's been fantastic. Like, man, like this he's the cornerback in the league as of today. I would say. Yeah, like this secondary right now, I, I mean, we, we can have the, 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 the debates all day long about, you know, which defense is, is top of the league. But I don't think there's a better secondary than, than this Bears secondary, truthfully. I, I really don't. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, it's so crazy to think about how, what, four years ago, Three years ago, we were t- talking about Kyle Fuller. Was he worth it? Would he be worth yeah. the money? And then he yeah. immediately got that contract, and Bears immediately matched it from Green Bay, and he turns into an all-pro. Like, that's just – I kudos yeah. to him for just taking that and running with it. I I, I actually owe him a huge apology because I don't, we, we didn't even – this podcast wasn't even a thing when I, when I made this take. Um, I was like 17 at the time. I, I still remember it. Um, it was – I can't remember what year it was, but it was the year after he came back from injury, I believe. Um, 2015, 20, 2015, 2016. Um, he had just come back from injury. And like he, I don't know if you guys remember, like early on in his career, like he would get burned a lot. Like he would get burned a lot. Um, yeah. And like he would make, the, he was a playmaker, don't get me wrong, but he got burned a lot. And like 
I was so sure that Kyle Fuller was not a good corner after what I had seen that I was honestly okay. I was like, I'd be okay if the Bears cut Kyle Fuller. I actually tweeted that, and now I'm looking back at that like, holy shit. That was a terrible take, and he's making me eat my words, but I, I'm, I'm so happy he's making me eat my words. Like this, Watching him right now is phenomenal. I feel when like I every was, year there's someone that Chris apologizes to about halfway through the season. <laughs> I feel like this has been yeah. a thing. Like, I forget who yeah. it was last year, but they're definitely, whether well, it's a similar uh, situation for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think there was even someone the year before that, I want to say. So you, you're nothing yeah, if not probably. consistent, Chris. There's always hey, that At least guy. I own up to my, I, I own up to my bad takes. And yeah. that, that's what important if you own up to it then you know no one can be mad at you for it you know not everyone's going to be right 100 percent of the time hell we're not even right you know 100 percent of the time um and no one is so you know when i was a uh when kyle fuller was a rookie you know he's having a phenomenal rookie season right and you know i was watching him and i was like you know what mom and dad i, I want a kyle fuller jersey for christmas because this dude's a baller and i think he's going to be a true baller so i got the kyle fuller jersey for christmas it was all cool and whatever. And he started, you know, not look too good the next few seasons. I was like, ah, like, I don't know if this jersey was worth it or whatever. Like, I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, you know, I wore it every game. I held on to it. Of course, I wasn't going to throw it away. Um, but now it's like, man, I wear that thing with pride. Like, this dude I truly believe is a top cornerback in the NFL. He just never gets that. He just doesn't get that recognition, which is so unfortunate because he's playing damn good football. And not only is he playing better, he's kind of evolving as a player. I mean, what have you seen this year that you didn't see the past few years? He is lighting guys up. And he's not afraid to take those hits. That roughing, or not roughing, uh, personal foul call was absolute bullshit. Um, I mean, that you know, how is that any different from what he did against the against Keyshawn Vaughn against the Buccaneers? Uh, it's the same exact play. I mean, that's textbook football, shoulder to shoulder. Um, you know, that was a wh- horrible call. But and then in the end zone, the guy made a reception and he actually ended up dropping it. But Kyle Fuller went with his shoulder. Like this dude is not afraid to light somebody up now. And I feel like you wouldn't have seen that from Kyle Fuller just a few years ago. So, I mean, it's really cool to see his game evolving and become a true well-rounded quarterback, cornerback in every aspect of the game. I, I can't believe, like, I'm just so shocked at him just laying people out. Like, I, I, I did know. not expect this from Kyle Fuller, and he's doing it regularly, just straight-up hit-sticking people. So, it's awesome to watch, man. I love it. It gets me hyped every time. I just remembered who the first Chris Nano Apology Tour uh, was for. It was for Ooh. Buster Screen. That was the very first one. That was the very first one because it was like, like, I don't know, taking someone from the Jets. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I think like two weeks into the season, Buster Scream was Chris's Twitter picture for like the rest of the season. That was a quick one. I do remember that. I recall that one was pretty fast. We got to give him a shout out too. He's been playing very, very, very well. Very well. And like he... Like, I, I feel like he, he also gives up some plays here and there. But, I mean, like, he – I feel like that was kind of expected when, when he came in. Like, that that's just kind of who he is. But he does make the plays. And, you know, he, he's – in his role, I feel like he's good. I, I really do. I'm not too mad at Buster Screen. I know a lot of people still – a lot of Bears fans still don't like Buster Screen because of some of the big plays he gives up. But it's going to happen, man. I, I mean, not every corner we have on the team is going to be absolutely locked down 24-7. But – um. You know, I, I I'm I'm happy with Buster Screen. I I really am. I, I don't I don't have a problem with him. I'm not really worried about him. Um, just the secondary in general. Just it makes me feel really confident in in the defense. Just from the secondary alone. 
Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely great. And, uh, I mean, you really, truly love what this defense is doing. They are going to give you a chance to win every single week, as we've seen, especially if you give them an early lead. I mean, final numbers from the defense was four sacks, 8.5 tackles for loss, five passes defense, two interceptions. I mean, uh, QB had six QB hits. I, I mean, they crushed it. They crushed it. It was great. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, I just think this is a team and even, I think you'll see it even next week too, because of the Rams, I mean, you know, we've seen Cleo Mack step up when it comes to going up against Aaron Donald, when they're going to be uh head to head, but we'll talk about that in the preview uh, again later this team though. I mean, final thoughts on the game before we get to uh, the giveaway, but five and one, you're three and oh on the road. I mean, I'm feeling great about this team. I mean, this is, I mean, you can be very, very average over the rest of the season and you're probably still looking at 10 and six. I mean, you, I mean, Absolutely. you go, you go 500 the rest of the way, you're 10 and six. You're probably in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and let me bring something up here real quick, because, you know, there, there's like you guys mentioned, there's a few things about the team that make you not sure about them. And I think one of those things for people is Matt Nagy. But let me kind of I kind of want to direct this conversation here and squander kind of the the, the narratives about Matt Nagy. So. Let, let, let OK. So here's what I want to say, because obviously, you know, the Bears fan base, as much as they were polarized about the quarterback com- uh, competition, they're very polarized as it comes to Matt Nagy. The team is winning, and I'd fight like hell for Nagy. The players would fight like hell for Nagy. Uh, you know, he's a winning coach. He knows how to win. He's got a great culture, and I would say he's a good head coach. The The reason why people have a problem with Matt Nagy is because he's not necessarily doing what he came here to do, right? He came here to bring you this incredible offense, score points all over the board, and he's not doing that, but the team is winning. So people are conflicted. They don't know, you know, what side should I be on? Should I like Matt Nagy because we're winning, uh, but the offense doesn't look good? Should I not like him? Uh, because although we're winning, the offense doesn't look good and all that. You know, here, here's what I think we can all agree on is that he's a good players coach, he's a great culture coach, and he knows how to win a football game. We can all agree on that, correct? Yes. So then what's what you know, what's the issue if he just passes over the play calling? I mean, to me, that's the easiest solution here. It's you know, let him be a great head coach because he is a great head coach outside of the play calling. He's not a great play caller, he's not great at that. All other aspects, I think he's a good head coach. Aside from what happened with Mitch Trubisky and that whole situation, I do think that was a blunder. I think he's a good head coach. So if you want to fix this, you know, why not just hand the play calling over? I mean, I really do think that's the easiest fix. Let him be a head coach. Let him stand there on the sideline. He's great at motivating the players, I think, uh, throughout the course of the game, not necessarily in the first quarter, and I'll stand with that. But I think if you just hand over the play calling, let him be a head coach. Let him be the guy to fire the team up. Let him be, you know, you know, really excel in all those things that maybe he has to sacrifice a little bit because of his play calling duties. You know, I feel like to me that's the easiest solution and the easiest way to get the most out of Matt Nagy and the most out of this team. And I just want to know your guys' thoughts on that before we move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for that. You guys know how I feel about Matt Nagy as a play caller. Um, but it's funny, though, because exactly what you said about being conflicted is kind of where I'm at right now. Like, I I, I really don't think Matt Nagy is his offensive mastermind. I just don't. He's not. I really don't. But with that being said, like, the team is winning. Um, so it's really hard to, like, kind of rip into him. And, and like, my, my question to your question is who calls plays then? If it's not Nagy, who? Blazer? 
Yeah, yeah it's got to be laser. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, what would like see? See, the thing is, though, Chris, you know, that's not attractive at all, is it? You know, giving Bill Laser the play calling duties exactly. isn't attractive to anyone. But what do you have to lose at this point? But what do you have to lose? I mean, the offense is, you know, putrid. I mean, what do, what do you have to yeah. lose? And then, like I said, like, I don't know if this is a valid statement, but, you know, maybe Matt Nagy can't fulfill his full duties as a head coach because he's focusing so much on the play calling. And he's thinking too much about that stuff when you just, just let the guy be a head coach, man. Just let the guy be a head coach. Give the play calling over to Bill Lazor. You got nothing to lose. And I think it's all for the better. And I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't, um, you know, until Matt Nagy accepts his fate. But I don't know. You know, you know what it is uh, with, with that? It's like, so like we talk about when Matt Nagy was brought in, you know, he was hailed as like this offensive mastermind genius. And like, what does that say about him if he hands the, the play calling duties off? It's kind of like, uh, like you know what I mean it's but see kind of but that's like, the thing Chris no that's exact that plays exactly to my to what I was saying is like people at this point know he's a bad you know there, there's no argument that he's not a great play caller you know or that he yeah. is a great play, there's no argument he's not a great yeah. play caller but people can everyone can accept the fact that he knows how to win football games I mean the record speaks for itself the culture is phenomenal the guys love playing for him it seems like um you know you know you, you feel good about the state of the Bears there's no there's no controversy with the front office and you know you it's not a dumpster fire by any means. It, it wasn't even a dumpster fire last year. So that's not the conversation. I mean, I, I think everyone would be fine with the fact and admitting the fact, and even Matt Nagy should be fine admitting the fact that, look, you know, I'm just not getting it done as a play caller, but the team's winning. I'm a great head coach in that regard. I'm just going to give the play calling over and let's continue to win games. And I don't think there's any issue with admitting that. And I think there's, you know, no one should be afraid of that proposition. But I, I, I mean, dude, I don't think people... Like, there are people that still disagree with that, though. People, I, I've seen a lot of people say it's still on the execution and it's not the play calling. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, I, I've seen that argument thrown around a lot, especially recently. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think, like, a lot of people still ha- think he's this offensive mastermind, which, I mean, like, it's tough, man. It's tough. I, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But they're winning games. Um but, yeah, I mean, I, I would be all for, um, you know, changing up the play caller. I, I'm all for that. What do you think, Jake? Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit just because I think Nagy's gotten better with the play calling over the last couple weeks. I think the last two weeks specifically have been better. Um, obviously, the game against the Colts, there was really no way other way to go but up, I guess. But I think he's been better, and I think that it kind of is to Foles' point about them gelling more and getting more comfortable every week. So I'm not going to sit here and, you know, drag Nagy through the mud, especially because it's hard to do that when you're 5-1. and one. The record speaks for itself. Uh, would you like more points? Yeah, of course. But also, so I, I mean, you've cracked 20 points in the last two weeks now. Um, <laughs> and you've, I mean, and you've cracked, and which, I mean, it, it's sad that that's where the bar is, <laughs> but like, that's, it is. I mean, that I, I, I would have taken this last year, so... I'll take it. And I think against the Rams, you have another chance to go for 25-30 again. So I'm not going to sit here yet. I I mean, we can talk about it at the end of the season, however it ends. But for right now, I think he's gotten better. And I I think that's shown with getting Komet on the field more. And I think that's shown with Montgomery being more involved in the pass game. And I think that's only going to improve when you bring in Lamar Miller, as we talked about with his playmaking ability. So I'm going to just sit here and say I'm happy to be five and one could I I, obviously could be better always be better you know the grass is always greener but uh I'll I'll take it success is success wins are wins so uh, I'm not going to nitpick right now I'm just going to be happy about five and one 
No, dude, Fair. that's my whole argument, though. That's my whole argument. It's like, I'm not dragging Nagy through the mud. Like, wins are wins, man. And the record speaks for itself. And that's what I'm saying is, like, he knows how to win you games. And right, that's yeah. more valuable than any. Like, but that's why it's like, you know, you know I'm, I don't want Nagy will not get fired. He should not get fired. But the solution could literally just be as easy as handing a play calling over. I mean, that that's really why, you know, because people always want to talk about the Nagy firing thing and, well, Nagy this, Nagy that, fire, 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 uh, hot seat, hot seat, hot seat. That's not the case. Nagy's not on the hot seat and he won't get fired. It's just hand over the play calling because he's a winning coach and there's no there's no evidence to argue against that. He is a winning coach and that is should be valued to everyone more than having uh, a successful offense. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. That's and fair. Your point is completely correct. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously always OK to want, you know, improvement. But I think we've seen improvement over the last two weeks. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll take it. And yes. I mean, that shows with the wins. So and that kept yep. by this one against the Panthers that you won comfortably that, you know, we've talked about this whole episode, how comfortable you were pretty much from the start of the game from that first touchdown, especially. So I'll take it. Bears are five and one. I mean, the rest of the way. I mean, I know we're going to talk about this later and in the preview too, but I mean, the Rams, Saints, and Titans, we talked about this is a tough stretch, but you still play the Vikings twice. You still play the Lions again. You play the Texans uh, who have been bad this year, and you play the Jaguars as well. Like, your schedule is looking decent, I, and you have yeah. a, a fairly good schedule to be looking at 11 or 12 wins. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Not yeah, out of the no, question I mean, absolutely at not. all. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Uh, are we doing the giveaway in the episode, Kevin, or what are we doing here? So we're going to do uh, my little segment, and then we'll do the giveaway live on Twitter, and then we'll announce right. it on the – like, we'll do it live on Twitter, and then we'll announce it on the preview episode. All so, right, all right, let's do you it. Know, okay. for, so people will be able to see it. But first, uh, you know, I texted you guys just in the group chat, and we got some listener replies, so I got to read them out. Um, Nick Foles – Went in the post-game press conference and said they were listening to Dreams and Nightmares in the Locker Room by Meek Mill. And he said that song just gets him amped up every single time. And if you guys remember, in 2017, the Eagles would play that in their Super Bowl run uh, before every game. And it would just be the most electric thing. Like, the videos of the stadium, electric. The team would just get so high. So the question I posed uh, to Chris and Jake here and, you know, everyone else that we posted uh, the tweet to was, what is that Dreams and Nightmares song for the Bears, you know, that song that just gets the city, the stadium, the team more hype than ever. Uh, you know, it just kind of represents Chicago, whatever it may be. Chris, you uh, are really excited to give your answer. You said you knew it right off the bat. So I want to hear it. What is your answer for that question? What song? Yeah, so there's a song called In and Out by uh, Ludfo. Um, and uh-huh. this song is just very upbeat. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit violent. It's a little bit violent, but you know, it's very, it's a very good hype up song, if you will. So, um, when you, when you said sure. that, I, when you, um, asked that question, I was like, I already know hundred percent what song I'm picking. So that's my song. That's my, that's my pick. In and out by Ludfo. Okay. Jake. I think the easy answer is like, and I think this is going to be what a lot of people are. This isn't my personal answer, but I would absolutely see the argument for Kanye's power. Um, that would be absolutely, obviously a good one, but that's a good um, one. I, so I, I mean, that's not my answer, but I, I, I mean, is it bad to say dreams of nightmares? Like, I know it's not, it's Philly. <laughs> yes, thing, it is like, bad. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I think, uh, I mean, you could pick a, a lot of stuff from, I think any of Juice World's disc- discography, um, mm-hmm. I, I think would be a, a really yeah. good one. So, yeah, I mean, 
I don't really have a, a specific song, but I think Juice World would be the world the way I would go. Oh, for Good sure. Choice. There's definitely a Good lot of choice. Juice World songs that that can. And, and the reason why you know Dreams and my why it's so powerful for Philly is because Meek Mill's that Philly guy. He represents Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, South Philly is where he's from, and he talks about that a lot. And that's just a representation of like the city. So that's why I say because I thought I asked Adam Abdallah. Uh, who's been on with us before, what he would do. And he said, put on by Yeezy. Uh, or is it Jeezy? Oh, I don't even know. That's, that, a, that's, I, a, that's good a good one. But he's that's like, that's a great hype up song for anything though. Like Jeezy doesn't, I don't, is it, it's Jeezy, right? Jeezy, is yeah. Is that who yeah. it is? Who, yeah. Jeezy. Like he's not a Chicago guy. Like that song doesn't represent Chicago. You know what I mean? We had um, Bear Lismo on Twitter and uh, a guy named Danny Steber on Instagram who said, win by J-Rock. And that's the same kind of thing. Is like, that song's a great hype up song. But it's not, uh, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's not Chicago. Right. And then I get what we had uh, yeah. a guy named Mark Minogue say "Champions" by Kanye. We of course had people on Instagram say "Finado" by Chief Keef. Um, so uh, you know, "Finado" is obviously the easy answer for a lot of people because that just song just gets Chicago people hype uh, for whatever reason. But my answer, uh, which I think you guys mentioned in the chat too, was "No Problem" by Chance. I mean, that's just a song where I, you know, Chance is so Chicago, and I feel like that if you put that song, like everyone just gets hyped at it, and it's not as hype as "Dreams and Nightmares," but I feel like it's just one of those songs that when you turn it on, like you can't not bob your head and get a little bit lit to it. So, um, you know, any of those songs, In and Out, uh, you know, any Juice World song, no problem. Uh, you know, those could all work. And I just feel like, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to you know, act like an Eagles lover here, but I really am relating this team to who they were, who the Eagles were in 2017. I don't think it's crazy to do that. And just a lot of those aspects of the team, uh, you know, the Bears, you know, they need their prop, like the dog masks, I think. Uh, you know, I think they need their song that just, you know, gets them amped up. So I thought that was a fun little segment. I appreciate you guys on Twitter and Instagram uh, replying there uh, with some cool answers. So, yep. No, that yeah, that was fun. Champions is a good one. I forgot about that. I think that I might have to switch my pick. That's a great one. It it, Um, it could be champions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously whenever you have a team adopt something like that, like how Philly did in 2017, like that's just it gives you something extra to root for. I don't know. Maybe we see Club Dub reopen. That'd be kind of sick. But um, I I don't know. It is open, but the media can't get in there. That's the problem. Because of COVID, the media can't film, so you don't see it happening. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that damn COVID. Um, all right. But let's wrap it up because we got a giveaway to do on Twitter. So obviously Bears are five and one. They beat the Panthers 23-16. No Mike Davis revenge game. No Teddy Bridgewater revenge game, quote unquote, because the Bears maybe should have brought him in, blah, 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 whatever. But you're five and one. You have a favorable schedule. You're staring the playoffs right in the f- face after six weeks. So Bears fans got to be feeling happy. Uh, let's pay some bills really quick too. Remember, Manscaped, Code Shy, C H I, get twenty percent, right? Yep, twenty percent off your order. Code, code Shy, C H I, free shipping. Use that. We've been using their stuff. It's great. So thanks to Manscaped. Uh, we look forward to working with them in the future as well. But of course, as always, thank you to you guys for listening and participating in our little Twitter antics. We appreciate you all very much. So, as always, thank you. We will be back later in the week with a preview for the Rams game. And as always, bear down.